I'm I have not recovered from your wedding. <laughs> you got crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. I've, I don't think I've ever seen you. He had two glasses of wine. That's what happened. It was unbelievable. Two glasses of wine, and Chase was just <laughs> all over the dance floor. I didn't have. No, I, I think I had. My in reality, I think I had like two mixed drinks and two or three beers, and that was it. That's and like, it's not that I was. That's even not a small amount for you. Overly inebriated. It's. No, the pro- the problem was singing as loud as I could with your amazing live band the whole night, and then not having any throat left when I went to go to sleep that day. It hasn't come back yet. Welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja, and with me, as always, are Chase Michel and Ian Fuchs. So, Chase, I hear you're recording from rural Czechoslovakia today. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Where the water is high and the sewers <laughs> oh, are back. Jesus, All right. Great. <laughs> Congratulations. How are, how are you guys on this Good. fine morning? Tired. Excited to talk about electric cars. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm well. I'm a little tired, but I'm well. Well, then, uh, I think Andrew's the most charged up. Am I right about this topic? Oh, my God. You didn't even get my electric car pun. No, this I did. It just took day. me a second. Now I'm mad about it. <laughs> start working on those dad jokes. <laughs> so electric cars, uh, what's uh, what's your thoughts? They're very good. They're very good. What's your favorite? Right now, we'll start with we'll start with that. That seems like an easy entry point, right? What's your favorite electric car right now? Sure. Let's, let's go around the table, Chase. Uh, I still really like the Model S. I mean, I've I've looked at a few different ones. I like the S. I just, it's so clean. It's, I don't care about so all the technical specs for everything aside. You still have to love, like you still have to like what your car looks like. And I have a very emotional connection with all of my vehicles. I'm just a vehicle kind of guy. And the S is just, it's beautiful. So I'm still on the S. For our listeners who are unaware, uh, Chase is referring to the Tesla Model S, an electric car manufactured and produced by the Tesla Motor Corporation based out of California. That's the one. Thank you. That's good. I'm torn on on my my pick here. I like the Model S for the same reason that, that Chase likes the Model S. Like it looks nice. It looks like a sporty luxury car. Um, but I also have kind of a uh, somewhere in the middle option, which is not fully electric. But I really like the Chevy Volt because you can do all the cool electric stuff. Yep. So when you're just like buzzing around like from home to work and stuff like that you can always do the electric stuff but you don't have to worry about the like highway travel because you have the fallback of gas so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go a little weird with you guys my favorite is the tesla roadster because it's impossible to argue with a body designed by lotus and uh uh, but for like actual good cars that get me real excited because i could maybe own one one day and they're interesting it's got to be the chevy bolt Bolt with a B, not Volt with a V. See, which is, I, I hate Chevy for having a Volt and a Bolt. <laughs> and they're both electric. It's I so know, bad. I mean, and one's not fully electric. Yeah, but then they, they went yeah. They went with the Spark, which I don't think you can get in an electric, right? No, it's gas only. No, that's correct. It's ter- no, terrible that's naming. a little four-banger, yeah. Terrible we named our electric car the uh, Chevy Polluter. <laughs> <laughs> At least that would be more clear. Assuming it wasn't their all electric, like high range vehicle. <laughs> maybe they just maybe they thought it's so spark nice. Because of spark plugs. 
Sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because that's ready? what everybody thinks of when they think of how a car works. Yes. I would obviously, the first thing I would think when somebody says, how does a gasoline car work? I would say spark plugs. That's spark how, plugs. That's how that right. happens. Right. That's that's spark like, plugs and oil. Unless, <laughs> unless it's a diesel, then it's no spark, just which is, force compression. Which is super cool. Thanks, Chase. All right. So, um, I think um, the, the Bolt is really <laughs> interesting because it's the first widely available, highly practical uh, electric car. I thought the Volt filled that gap. But it's not electric. Actually, I take that back. I take that back. Okay, fine. Then the Leaf. No, because the Leaf has a range of 50 miles. I thought it was like 100. No. I thought it was like, yeah, it was like, it's 50? It's like 50 well, or, even regard- or something like that. Okay, so so the first thing you've identified is that there's a there's a, there's a range component to identifying like massively available and useful or whatever criteria you're, you're strapping the range right. on. Right. Range. Let's see. In the 2016, it's got a range of uh, 84 to 107. Thank you, Google. Okay. Now, compared to the Bolt, which Chevy says has a range of 238 miles. Okay. That's really so that's, impressive. That's, that's, that's pretty significant improvements there. Um, but, again, the, I, and I know you said the the Volt with a V doesn't count, but I, I still think as far as like getting people into electric, that is that is the car that will, or that type of design will be the thing that gets people into electric vehicles i agree because it's very um i don't want to say bland because it's not but it's not like the tesla is like aggressively like this is a performance vehicle right and that's not what everybody wants yep no i agree with that but that's i mean you could make the argument that if you're a tesla fan that's what the model three is for yeah the model three we don't know anything about it plus it it looks kind of weird I mean, it looks like no. It just looks like a smaller Model S. I don't know. The renders for for everybody who does. So, so the Model Three, though, real quick is is Tesla's thirty thousand dollar ish entry vehicle with um, it's going to its anticipated range is going to be two hundred miles plus as well. So it it looks much more like a Bolt competitor, right? The Bolt and the Model Three should be direct competitors. But the the Model Three to me looks like it was like a Mazda reject, where the designers looked at it and were like. It's cool, but there's just something not quite right about it. And they're like, let's put it on a shelf and we'll restart. <laughs> oh, I didn't think that. I thought it looked like a like a Model S little, like a baby. Just like Kia does a lot of like, um, you know, the smaller model in the lineup looks like a smaller version of their larger car. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. But it's just the front of it, the nose. It just looks like it got cut off. So it's kind of, it's, it's weird. And with no grill on so it, no, it's, it's very strange too. Sure. So if it's not aesthetically pleasing, then that's that's a honest concern i yeah i hear that okay well range range anxiety vehicles though like like the volt that help alleviate that though i think you guys are right that's those are really important i don't i don't know that like everybody needs to buy one though i mean i think they're like a culturally transitional vehicle but not a personal transitional vehicle right? like you need to see your neighbors with some not that you need to have oh i see electric. no so it's not like keeping up with everybody it's more like just this is what we're doing now Right, like you need to make sure that you know, like the Smiths or whatever. In this case, the Fuchses would have you know a volt, and you make sure that their volts were you know working correctly, and they're still getting around. Right. And you're like, "How's it in electric mode?" And Ian's like, "I don't know. What do you say?" You, I, just, I, I don't have one, but I would I would assume if I did, I would say, "Yeah, it works great for getting to work and from work because I can drive without using any gas, and I can right. recharge every night when I get home." And yeah, I don't. I also can take a road trip and go visit family and wherever and right and not have to worry about stopping and recharging for eight hours right yeah that seems useful like i I feel like that's a good that's the nice point for any of the uh like 
they're they're all effectively plug-in hybrids, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of them. Um, I think range anxiety is something that's solved through. I mean, obviously, bigger batteries and just improving the range, but also. So there's there's two two components that I think will make uh, electric vehicles really effective, um, and one of them is making them uh, basically indistinguishable from a, from a gas car, right? Like in, in terms of how they handle and perform and everything like that. Like it's just now instead of going to a gas station, you just plug in it every night, um, right? But I think the other thing that'll make them actually widely available and practical and useful for everybody is. Um, uh, uh, demographic shifts is people continue to move towards the city because that's what doesn't work for you guys, right? Like the range is just too short for the long distances you guys drive. But I live downtown, and the furthest I drive in a day, like there's no way I'm going to hit 238 miles in a given day. It's just it's it's totally impractical. I can't even picture what that would be like. On my, on my heaviest How driving you days, do? I would get like 100 miles. 100 miles on your heaviest. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying like. The top end leaf would be a good car for you. <laughs> I'm saying the top end leaf would be. I, I could make it work, but why would I want to? Right. No, but no, but my point fair. is that as people, as more and more people move to cities, you don't need to worry about range as much because there's not as far as that you need to go. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. I, th- I mean, so battery is like obviously your immediate also, concern, but then I would say infrastructure is the second thing. If you, I don't know if that you were going there, but. Um, like right, so like the supercharger network for Tesla, or like just having, just having a standardized plug for charging would be nice. Because right now they're not they're not standardized. Like each manufacturer, not I don't think everybody has their own, but there are a variety of different types of plugins for for chargers. So there is one. There is a standardized rapid charge. There's a standardized no, rapid, rapid charge now. Because at one point the like the Volt plugin was different from the Leaf plugin was different from the Tesla plugin. My understanding was the the Tesla one only works on a Tesla. Like it, you can only plug a Tesla or it, plug it into a Tesla, but right. the the standard chargers are all more universal. Like the standard rate chargers, whatever that twenty miles an hour recharge or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, Tesla does their own thing, but that's because Tesla can. But I, I think you're at right, the wide. This is actually interesting because we're not used to there being uh, a segmentation in the market for vehicles, right? Like. Everybody's right. gas tank is the same size and it has the same shape hole and whatever. It's weird when our cars start. You have to like go to a gas station or a charging station and pick the right charger for your vehicle. Well, we already kind of have something similar to that with the different gas types. You have diesel. You have eighty seven. You have that's true. The eighty five. Yeah, eighty five, which is you have, confusing. You have to the people. high octane, and there are certain that's cars that need the high octane stuff. Or yeah, allegedly, my car requires premium. Yeah, so so when you I start. Sweet premium electricity for my car, right? And, and so then, premium that becomes the issue. Is it's like the well now, home electric. Come here, now the actual electricity that you're feeding into your car is is the same. It's always right. going to be just electrons that are charged, right? I mean, but there's... the way you're plugging it in. So now, now you've switched from the electricity problem to the charging your iPhone or your headphones or your android phone or your tablet or your computer problem where everything's got its own plug right and now you have to have you have to either have a trunk full of adapters (laughs) jesus or (laughs) title um you have to have a trunk full of adapters or you have to have a charging station that has multiple different pumps depending on right the adapter you need it doesn't seem that far-fetched for like 
for your charging station have three attachments and the charge rate is the same. Like there's only one type of gas, but now it's electricity, except for there's just three different plugins for the three most popular ones sure. or something. Do we have that for bike? Although tires? I wish they'd standardize. Right. Like there's the piston and then there's the, um, shoot the other one, the, the one that's most common. And there's the one you use for high pressure road tires. Um, yeah, and they're, they're different valves in quite different ways. So you go to like a bike repair station, and I'll have both hanging off there. I don't really think that's a big deal. I, I think the the bigger issue is actually when you guys write up like the different kind of E85 and that kind of thing is that it seems more likely that there might be different kinds of requirements for like different ampage uh, for different vehicles and that kind of thing. They expect like because electricity, like it's all electrons, right? But you can have different kinds of resistances and flow and that kind of thing. Yeah, that seems simple though. Like that's all built into the you know pump. Well, and, and I suppose most, like you can detect the car you're plugged into, so you don't melt your battery. Yeah, most exactly. devices now, exactly. like look at the uh, the iPhone for example. You plug it into one of the big power plugs in the wall, and it charges at whatever rate it charges at. You plug it into one of the little ones, and it plug it charges at whatever rate that one can charge at. If you use the big like twenty nine watt one that you can use for the iPad Pro, the iPhone only charges at the 10 watts or whatever max that it can do because oh, the, yeah. the yeah. circuitry can actually say I can only take this much at a time. But then there is right, that, so limiting there. There was a Google researcher who was frying his laptops with crappy USB-C t- cables. Well, yeah, that did happen, but that was the cable problem, right? Yeah. But like, I would hate to like go to some rural charging station where like they haven't updated the equipment in 30 years or whatever and plug it in and they're using some crappy old standard. And now my car is melted and I can't drive anywhere. Yeah, I wonder if by that point the vehicles themselves will have that technology built in to help yeah. prevent any of those issues. So, so speaking of rural, that's that's another issue. And I know you said a lot of this. You know, everybody's moving to the cities. Rural communities are shrinking. Whatever. Yeah, Mister Chicago. But well, I, I would move back. Um, <laughs> that's another one of the the issues here is that even if you make the commitment to getting an electric vehicle and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. And you, you try to avoid taking road trips and doing long drives and stuff like that with the electric, because you don't want to wait at a gas, uh, gas station, an electric station, a recharge station for eight hours right. while it recharges. Right. Let's say I'm going to visit chase and I'm in his 1978 hole in the wall town of Iowa. <laughs> now what do I do to recharge my car? My only option is to hope that I can plug it in in a garage right off of a standard wall outlet and right. then it takes 48 hours to recharge to get a 200 mile range back on my car like see i think the charging situation that's just a matter of the infrastructure existing and i think whichever gas station executive like whoever at super america realizes that they can charge for electricity like five cents like whatever a minute or something like that and then just rolls out cheap charging stations at every gas station throughout the United States for electric vehicles. And they realize how much money they can make at that being the first ones to do it. will get promoted like, like crazy. Like there, it seems so obvious. There are already companies out there that will actually provide the charging station for whatever location is willing to put it in. Right. Because they can charge a premium for it. And I know that because the, the college campus where I work has six or eight of these charging stations around campus. We didn't pay anything for oh, them. Nice. They came to us and said, we would like to put some charging stations here. If you'll allow us, like all we need is you to run electricity to here. We'll pay for whatever electricity we use or what that we draw off of your right. portion of the grid. 
Ah, oh, see, it's just so brilliant. And, and it, then, you can do and it so then they, cheaply. Just, they charge a premium. You you basically get yeah. a, a a debit card. It's charge point is the uh, the company that does this, but they they give you like a, a pre made debit card, preset debit card that you use for this charge point thing. You swipe it in the machine. It charges you, you know, whatever a dime over whatever the cost of electricity is. This is brilliant. And and then you recharge your vehicle. This is brilliant. So the. Yeah, this that, that's I think that's going to be more so where the shift happens. It's not going to be Super America or BP saying, "Oh, we're going to start putting in electric charging stations here." But it's going to be malls and hotels they, and yeah, they can have their and restaurants. Yeah, it seems crazy that they wouldn't, especially since they could run a generator with the gas they already have. Uh, yeah, you could I'm do sure that that's too. That's a possibility, or giant the, battery cell that charges over right. solar. They have the whole roof oh over the God. gas pumps yes. that could be covered with solar panels. That's so good. Oh, yeah, exactly. So good. You just have battery banks and, on the back, and it would be a Tesla battery bank. Yeah, of course it would be because that's high capacity and reliable. But even with all of this, it requires a company. What? So if it's not the gas station doing it, it's a company like ChargePoint doing this. It requires them to now go to 1978 Iowa and say. We'd yeah, like to put yeah. in four of these, one at the post office, one at the bank, one at the right. grocery store, and one at one of the churches. Enter uh-huh. PlugShare. So I don't know if you guys know this. It's basically just a website that is a map of all the EV stations that you can go to. Uh, it lists public stations, high power stations, but there's two interesting ones. The first one that I think is really cool is in use. So it'll show you which ones are in use. So you can not go to that one when it's when somebody's plugged into it. And, like, when you have an electric station, that means you can suddenly do a whole lot of stuff with it, like communicating, like, uh, you, you know like where the demand is, what time they increase and decrease. So you can start charging based on demand and supply and that kind of thing. That totally changes yep. the economics of the game. So how do yep. I get my garage drop cord on this map? Right. Well, they also have the residential chargers, which are, like, sharing economy. So that people can post their address on here. Uh, of where their charge station is. So you can just go to, like, somebody's driveway, park your car, and plug in there. And then how how is it? Yeah, that's really good. Paid for? I, I don't know. I, I I think right now it's just like public service. Okay, so I would be just charging the website else's yeah. car for on right. my dime instead of on their tip jar. But you can see how this could pretty quickly evolve into like an Uber sort of situation. Yeah, exactly. Uber for recharging your car. Right, exactly. Ooh, and once again, surge pricing comes into effect. Oh, there you go. That's a good pun and also a good idea. <laughs> No, it's perfect. This is a good idea. So you're crowdsourcing your electrical charging needs for your EVs. Especially since every EV comes with one. It's it's the whole Elon Musk thing, right? Like a car spends 90% of its time sitting still in your driveway or something like that. I mean, most of the time your charge station is probably empty too. So why not outsource that for people who need it when you don't? So Yeah, it's good. So here's the way you you handle the uh, charging people for this then. A little thing that just goes on the end of the plug. And they have to activate with an app on their phone that little adapter on the plug. Or they give you a special cable or something that, you know, it plugs into the wall. And it has to have the adapter on the end to plug into the car. However, that whole connection you have to go has to, to work. You have to go to the front desk and get the uh, the plug key like you have to do for a bathroom right, key. Right, but I don't have a front desk at my house. <laughs> well, I mean, if you do enough sharing, yeah, it would be like, it'd be like your Kivo thing if somebody would, like, request permission and you'd approve. Or right, so yeah. that, so that's what I'm saying is it's something where they'd come up with their app and they'd say, I'm going to charge here. And then it would build them against their credit card on file or Apple pay or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And, oh, and then charge them. Really and good. then, and then oh, using yep. something like square. Now it drops me the money and says, so-and-so recharge their car here for two hours. Here's your 
seven dollars yeah, or whatever. That's so good. It's it's perfect. That's all it is. Yep. That's really good because when you can when you have, I mean, it's essentially taking the commodity of power and taking it and making it so it's something that everybody already has access to, right? So like. I can't do this with gas right now because I can't afford to run a refinery in my backyard. Uh, well, we're not even a refinery. You have a, you're essentially a distribution point. Or like a right, yeah, exactly. You but like with this, it, yeah, it's exactly, yeah. God, you have the power companies too? Like you could dip in on this. They'd be, be so really good. Yeah, they'd be happy, right? Yeah. This whole idea, trademark interface podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. The other thing is I was going to talk about designing around range anxiety, right? So like now you have this system of all these charging locations and you know how much each one costs. So you can have the drive-by-wire system adjust and give you recommendations in your driving and tell you like it's costing you this much to drive this fast in the the area you're in right now. If you went a little bit slower or you went over on this route instead, it would cost you this amount and we can go get you charged while you go run your grocery errands or something like that. Right. Yep. Um, oh yeah. I mean, gro- grocery stores or any place that you would run in for errands should have you know thirty of these. Right. right? Exactly. Just- and but the, so I, I'm thinking about the, uh, the the Ford Fusion dashboard, which was an early uh, hybrid, and it has this cool thing where it shows. So like the every hybrid shows you like when you're drawing from the battery versus when you're applying to it, and it's got like an eco meter or something like that. Um, but what I think the Ford Fusion does that's really cool is it has a tree instead, and when you drive more. Uh, fuel efficiently the tree grows it grows leaves it grows flowers it looks really nice mm-hmm. and when you drive like performance wise uh it withers and dies and doesn't look great and it's people respond to that really really well just because you can see it's not a pie chart or anything like that it's a, it's actual visual representation in a way that makes sense to you and i think you could do that sort of thing with an ev2 based on all the information you have about where charging stations are and that kind of thing mm-hmm. i think the prius also has something similar yeah, I think yeah. Like all of words. all of them have something kind of along that line. I know the uh, the Volt, and I assume the Bolt also does or will uh, include the Chevy's like green ball, where yeah, it like, it, like oh, yeah. floats up and down yes. depending on how efficiently you're driving, and it becomes more green or red as you go up or down. And the idea is you want to like keep it elevated. Yep. That's really good. I think so. That's interesting. I think the the, the tree is better um, because it. Uh, uh, like it implicitly makes sense, right? You know what's going on because your tree's growing or dying. Um, the green ball is a little more abstract. Like I don't care so much about the green ball floating in the air, but I bet that I would care an awful lot about killing this tree every time I floor it out of a but red I, light. I think that's the problem is is the the tree almost implies that oh you're you're driving in a way that's saving the world versus you're driving in a way that's not saving the world. Well, realistically, like you're using electricity or using electricity, which either of those are better than using gas. So to me, to me, that doesn't say efficiency as much as a sliding scale up to down. You're driving really efficient versus really inefficient right now. Right. Right. And that's such an, a weird abstract concept. It is. And, and with all of those things that like either from like the abstract ball or like, I'm pretty, like the Prius had bubbles or something at one point, like something lighter. You yeah. Know? And then the tree, like all of those, like, I don't, I don't care what any of them mean, like in a literal or abstract sense, I'd be curious as the manufacturer as to which one has the consumers respond the best. Right. So if the tree gets you to like play the game better, then I'll put the tree in my car. But if it turns out it doesn't matter and somebody just wants to see the efficiency number, like I'm one of the people that stares at my miles per gallon in real yeah. time. <laughs> Same. Like instant fuel economy. So exactly. So like I, if I just need the number, that's fine too. I'm the kind right. of person who looks at my RPM in real time. Got to slam it into third. 
You're so awesome. <laughs> I, I don't ever have to look. I just can hear it, and then I know when to shift. Oh, Jesus. Because a real driver can feel their car, Andrew. I mean... And rely on some arcane instrument to let them know when it's time to shift. I think a real driver also doesn't drive an automatic CX-5. Uh, I mean, it has bump shift. It does. It's very good. It is very good. It's actually a little sluggish, but that's and no, that doesn't matter. All right. I would call it aggressive. So, it keeps you in those lower gears. That is not how it is. So, <laughs> so, so what is, uh, I guess, looking a few years in the future, obviously we need to look past what 2018 when the, the Model 3 comes out, but I'm thinking like 10 years from now or eight years from now even, what does the electric car market start to look like? Are we going to see more all electric? Are we going to see more cars switch to the the true hybrid, hybrid model, like the Volt? Or I guess the Prius is technically a hybrid like that also. Um, no, it is too. Yeah, I think you see a lot of plug-in hybrids. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Um, more electric, maybe like 10 to 15% electric car, and then a lot of plug-in hybrids. Um, and I think you'll see those numbers continue to go up, and eventually, God willing, EVs will replace them. I think... Yeah, so that that's true. I, but in the short term prediction, um, I think you're going to see most manufacturers have an offering for each of those um, each of those areas. I think yeah. people are going to offer uh, some form of a hybrid, which many already do in multiple forms. The problem with current hybrids is that most of them are retrofitted to their existing lineup. Right. But I think you're going to see more people do the Chevy lineup or the Chevy thing, where you make the Volt, which is you know a purpose-built hybrid and only and exclusively a hybrid right? yes exactly versus versus others then they're going to get their own ev i never thought to say this but i think chevy is the most interesting car company working today they're doing good stuff man they're doing real good they stuff. really are and they're doing it on a so chevy has the advantage like tesla's doing it like let's be honest tesla's doing some really interesting stuff too but chevy can do it on a scale that tesla simply cannot and the fact that they are and they're doing it apparently quite well i think makes them quite fascinating to watch i think the big difference there is, is yeah, she, chevy's doing amazing. it on a consumer level whereas tesla's doing it kind of on a not that they're not still consumer it's but still they're they're a little bit yeah they're a little bit on the enthusiast elitist yeah. edge of yeah. edge of things so so one of the things that i think is going to change a, a lot of this so maybe in 10 years uh, like the Faraday future car. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, it's totally vaporware right now, uh, but they have this really cool looking vehicle mm. that they claim is going to revolutionize everything. Um, it's electric it's supposed to have like a huge range, but it's all supposed to be mostly self-driving and built to be in the sharing economy. Um, we'll see how it actually pans out, but I would guess that as people get closer, they move the cities and things like denture, you probably are going to need a car of your own much less anyway. And if you're just taking short jaunts because you're using, you know, Uber or Lyft or something like that, then an electric car totally works for you because you don't need to go very far. You don't even need to go so far. You need a car at all. But, but again, there, your problem becomes if, mm-hmm. if you're using a now electric ride sharing service, you know, Uber E or right. whatever, there's still the issue of now that car can go drive and maybe take, people around for a couple hours and then that driver now is basically forced right. to be done for the day 
But presumably Uber is smart enough to be able to, or maybe not Uber because that's sort of they do too much freelance stuff, but a, a, an electric ride-sharing program, an electric taxi company, will know what the charge is remaining in their, all their vehicles and know when somebody has to go charge and how long it's going to take and be able to distribute their fleet around so there's not going to be any gaps in coverage. So, so you're thinking more of an actual taxi company. And so that, that starts to make sense if you have a company that's saying, yeah. we have 100 cars, but only 40 of them are out at any given time. Or whatever, scale that up to whatever size you need. Right, um, right. That only a portion of those cars are ever out because the rest are all building a charge. So maybe you go out and you drive for two hours. You go back. You take your mandatory break. You swap vehicles to the different one. You go back out sure, in exactly. a different car. I could maybe see that working. But the, to me, it's it's all the rate of charge is, is the biggest issue with yeah. electrics right now. And that's I think that's the thing that's going to... Hinder, which is also part of why I think that you're going to see a lot more vehicles go the hybrid route. That hybrid ranges may improve, so the electric range of the hybrid or the elect the range of the electric part of the hybrid gets better, and more people start buying those rather than cars that are solely electric because you need to be able to still drive when the electric part runs out and not waste an entire day waiting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not even an entire day. The problem with the battery charging, right, is that it's uh, you can do a lot of stuff quickly. Uh, you can get like eighty percent in thirty to forty minutes, but it's that last twenty percent that takes forever. But when you have, but when range is a limited commodity, uh, it's really important that you get as much into it as fast as possible. See, I didn't think that was still the case. I thought that with the electric vehicles, it wasn't that they got eighty percent in an hour. It was that they got. 15% an hour up to 80%. No, it's the, at least for Tesla, they do the burst charge like that. Um, that's, I think that's the state of the art for batteries these days. Okay, and I think that's just with their supercharger stations, which then again, I, become, I think other ones do that too. Doesn't the bolt do that? Yeah. You're the bolt expert. I thought that's just how like all modern battery technology yeah. was, is you got like a, a bulk charge quickly and then the top it off takes a little bit longer. Right. But the the other thing that, that like the supercharger stations are is they just do battery swap. Like you pull up, drop the battery, put a new one in. Here we go. You leave. Chase or Ian, you're talking about. So there's uh, the 240 volt level two, which is 25 miles per hour of charge. But the fast charging is the one that does that dumps a bunch in at once and then tops it up. <sighs> there you go. I don't so two different kinds. So that becomes another issue. Then is each station has to have its own. But you can charge a premium for the fast one. That's true. Yeah, but exactly. You'd know exactly where they were, and you could plan your route around it. Like, right. That's because your range is unknown. Yeah. Or should be, at least. Um, overall, though, so EVs, I th- I feel like we're going to have this transition you know, this transition phase, and we're, we're, just, we're just scratching it right now. Like, you're starting to see some dedicated EVs and some more, you know, actual hybrids on the road that are, like, more traditional hybrids. And you're going through this transition phase where, like, the, the enthusiasts drive the EVs, but, like, a normal... You know, a normal consumer might think about getting the a range anxiety conscious consumer might think about getting the actual hybrid like the sure, Volt. Sure, sure. And then as we go through and manufacturers start to figure out like what their operations are going to look like as far as charging and infrastructure and get the battery tech to continue to improve, then we're going to start seeing a better, a little bit better adoption. And I don't necessarily know that like leaving rural to cities is the answer because my guess is the tech is going to get to the point where we'll have 500 mile range batteries soon, yeah. and then it won't really matter where you live at that point. Yeah. It's yeah. It'll be interesting to see as these things get smarter and can talk to the internet too. You'll be able to do much more, uh, range exam yeah. become less of an issue because you know where you need to be and where you need to go and how much it's going to cost you to do it. So you don't have to worry about like dying in the middle of the road. Right. Exactly. 
and I would say that I would say that we're veering into the uh, into the driverless, you know, and self-driving car problems where some of those issues where you would run out, like have range anxiety, or you might like hit the cap. Um, you know, if you hit 200 miles and you're out, right. if you're in a driverless car, you would just swap vehicles at the swap, you know, like at 180 miles at the station right. and get in the new driverless car, right? So like that's the next, yeah. it's the next step. You can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash 24. While you're there, find links to all of our social things, how to subscribe, all those good things. And as always, thank you for being a listener or subscriber. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday. Like clockwork. I, we should should just put this on the record. You can put it in there or not, but congratulations to Mister Andrew Lilja on completing the trifecta. We are not, we are all now married men. Gosh, Mister Andrew Lilja, this got a nice ring to it. But you know, it's it's just it was a it does. It was an honor to be at your wedding, and it makes me so Thank happy you. to say that we are three for three. <laughs> it was it was an honor and a real joy to have you there, and Ian, it was an honor to not have you though. Ayo. I was there in spirit. No. I was there no, politely. Not, has I was own. there politely, not blowing up uh, Slack all day, even though I really wanted to send all kinds of random stuff all day. I was oh, like, I don't, I don't want to bother. <laughs> They're busy. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be a Mister. Uh, it was, it, it was fun being Mister Andrew Lilja, but uh, you know, I'm really excited for the next chapter of my life where I get to be Mister Andrew Lilja.